and I am so sorry that was so soft. Um, again, as you know, we had a, a lightning strike and electrical fire, and we'd lost some of our equipment, and we're still working out all those kinds of issues and stuff. So one of them is technical, of course. Oh, and just good news for you, I don't know, uh, we will, and uh, we hope about three or four weeks, uh, start a new roof uh, on our sanctuary. And we are so excited about that, a, a metal roof, okay, that won't catch fire. Uh, very, very excited about that. So uh, this, is, this is part of our all journey. Uh, Don and I had the privilege, uh, after I, I graduated from seminary and before we went to the first church, we decided, hey, this is our only chance. We were going to go work in a national park. We were assigned to Yellowstone National Park, and it was just a great, great summer of our jobs, but also working in a, a Christian ministries in the national parks, holding services on the weekends at campgrounds and the like. But, uh, of course, during that summer then, we had a lot of opportunities to see things and to hike and so forth. And one of the things we did was we hiked Mount Washburn. Mount Washburn is the highest point in Yellowstone National Park. And it's quite a steep climb, and it took quite a while to do it. But the exhilaration of getting, of turning that last corner and seeing the peak and then standing on the top was really, really exciting. Well, you know, that's what our life should be like. A journey when we're, we're striving for the peak, the, the ultimate, the consummate point of that. And we're, in these three weeks, we're looking at the life of David. David really uh, ex illustrates for us what it's like to be on a journey. And this, last week, we, we talked about David being the giant slayer. And you have giant problems that need slain in your life. And uh, when we follow those principles, God can do that. Today, we want to talk about David as a passionate lover. Are you a passionate lover? I won't ask your spouse, okay? But I hope you are. Because what was Jesus' greatest commandment? He was asked, what's the greatest commandment? What did he say? He said, love. He said, love the Lord your God with all, the key word, your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. And that, David was on a journey to come to that point, to be a passionate lover of God. And friend, that's what life is really all about. Now, Unfortunately, we're going to see in uh, 1 Chronicles chapter 21 today that loving God does not mean we won't sin against God. In Chronicles, 1 Chronicles 16, we read, excuse me, 21, we read that David was so puffed up with pride because of all his great military victories that God had given him that he gave in to a temptation from Satan to take a census now, why, would, why did he want to take a census? So he could draft more men into his army. So he could make his, more, his army more powerful. And you see, David's pride blinded him to the fact that it was God who gave him those victories. It wasn't his army. And so God sent a prophet named Gad to warn David that he was going to suffer the consequences of his pride, of his sin. And God was going to give him three choices. One, three years of famine, or three months of enemy nations defeating him, or three days of judgment by the angel of the Lord. David chose the three days of judgment by the death angel. 
And 70,000 people died in a plague because David had sinned. And that's where we pick up our story in 1 Chronicles chapter 21, verse 16. At that point, David looked up, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing between heaven and earth with a drawn sword in his hand extended over Jerusalem. Then David said, and the elders clothed in sackcloth fell face down. David said to God, was it not I who ordered the fighting men to be counted? I, the shepherd, have sinned and done wrong. These are but the sheep. What have they done? Lord, my God, let your hand fall on me and my family. But do not let this plague remain on your people. Now, I want you to imagine that you're David. You know, as you read this, it's kind of like, oh, that's a little strange. But I want you to imagine that you were David, that you are David. Just imagine that you look up today and you see a de the death angel hovering over Sarasota with a drawn sword, and he's about to kill people in your town, people you know, and it's all because of you. Because of your sin. Now, what would you feel if that were the case? Jesus told us to love the Lord your God. And we're going to look at five things, how we love the Lord our God. But the first one is you love the Lord your God with love and fear. Wise people have a love for God. But they also have a fear, a fear of disobeying God. And, you know, talking about fearing God is not very popular today. And I don't do many sermons on it. It's not very popular, but it's biblical. And, yet, yeah, people say we should talk about the love of God, which, and, of course, we do. We talk about that all the time. It's awesome that God loves us, but, friends, God is also holy. And you know, a coin has two sides. You can't have a coin with only one side. And you can't have a God with only one nature and one awesome quality. God is love, but God is also holy. And, and he wouldn't be perfect if he wasn't both loving and holy. If he were not both, he wouldn't be perfect. God is a gracious forgiver if we repent of our sin. But, friend, God is a holy judge if we refuse to repent. And why does God judge sin? God judges the sin in our lives because sin destroys our love for God. And if you and I have a passionate love for God, we're going to have a healthy fear of God also. Wise people know that. Wise people love God with all their heart, but they also fear the consequences of defying our creator and our sovereign king. God made America great, didn't he? Why? Well, it was, it was founded on the principles in God's word. And you and I know that now our nation is turning away from so many of those laws and commands and principles in God's word. We're defying God. And we Christians wish our nation would wake up we wish our nation would, would fear disobeying God. And God wishes that too. But do you know what God wishes even more? That his people would do that. David did. 
You realize he disobeyed God. Let's keep on and continue with our story. Verse 18, then the angel of the Lord ordered Gad, this prophet, to, to tell David to go up and build an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Aruna the Jebusite. So David went in obedience to the word that God had spoken in the name of the Lord. God told David to do what? To go up to Jerusalem. Uh, Jabus was the original name of that town, okay? Uh, Aruna lived, was a Jebusite. He lived in Jebus, okay? Well, that's Jerusalem. God told him to go up to Jerusalem and build an altar. What's an altar? It's two things. It's a place to worship God. When you go to the altar, you're not thinking about anything else. You're not thinking about your job and your hobbies and what you're going to eat. You're thinking about God because that's the presence of God. It's It's a place to worship the Lord, and it's a place to bring a sacrifice. It's a place where we get mercy and grace from a loving God, and it's a place where we give our sacrifice to God. And that's the second thing. Love the Lord your God with worship and sacrifice. Now, how many of you don't, how, how many of you love sacrificing? Uh, you notice that my hand is not raised. I don't like sacrificing. We humans don't like to sacrifice, especially it's a costly sacrifice. Hey, I can wash the dishes, you know, for Donna. That's, that's, a, that's a huge sacrifice. Whoa. No, it isn't. We don't like to sacrifice when it's costly. But as Kevin said this morning, the Son of God sacrificed his life on a cross for us. And, and when we get that and we realize how much Jesus sacrificed for us, and any sacrifice to him doesn't compare. Did you know we're the recipients of sacrifice? We're enjoying the sacrifice of people today. 30 years ago, God told 37 adult members of tiny Sarasota Lions Church to leave their property, to buy this property, to build a place to worship the Lord. Those 37 adult members, they started giving sacrificially. And when they gave sacrificially, God started giving to us supernaturally. And because those 37 people sacrificed hundreds of people have come to know Jesus here in Hawaii today we have 15 kids who grew up at Sarasota Alliance they're in ministry in the United States and overseas and they're bringing people to Jesus sacrifice we're the recipients of that Let's go on with our story. Verse 21. Then David approached Aruna. And when Aruna looked up and he saw the king standing there, he left his threshing floor, the place where they threshed the, he threshed the wheat. He was a farmer. 
And he bowed down before David with his face to the ground. And David said to him, let me have this site of your threshing floor so I can build an altar to the Lord so that a plague on the people can be stopped. Sell it to me at the full price. And Aruna said to David, no, take it. Let my Lord the king do whatever pleases him. Verse 21 tells us that when David came to this threshing floor, Arun is there, he's threshing the wheat. And when, and, and when Arun saw him, he, he, he fell, he fell, he threw himself on the floor. And then David told him what he wanted, and, and Aruna said, no, no, take it, take it. And you see, I don't know how much access the people had to King David in that day, probably not much. But I do know that David was a legend, and the people worshipped him. He was a great man of God, so when he showed up, Aruna was so humbled, he was willing to give his all to his king. Now, if Aruna was willing to give his all to his earthly king, how much wiser is it for us to be willing to give our all to our eternal king, our Lord and King of kings and Lord of lords? Want to really love God? Want to really experience his love in your life? Love the Lord your God with love for and submission to the Lord your King. Uh, it's just natural to think that love and submission are two opposites. It sounds like love. It's like, oh, wow, I'm just really excited about loving you. And, and, but submission, I don't want to submit to you. I mean, you know, that's bondage. You know, so we see those as opposites. No, love and submission are allies. They're not opposites. That's why God tells us in Ephesians chapter 5, a husband and a wife are to submit to one another. Now, he already said they should love each other. Then he says they should submit to one another. Why? Because if we're not willing to submit, that's not love. That's selfishness. That's pride. That's arrogance. Genuine love brings us to submit to those we love. Do we love Jesus? When we submit to him, he is, after all, the king who loves us more than you can imagine. Just imagine today that Jesus were to walk into the sanctuary here, okay? Just like Chris just walked in, all right? <laughs> now, now I, I, I wouldn't embarrass latecomers, but... Chris, Chris is my friend, and, he, and he's got a strong sense of self-worth, and he knows I'm not picking on him, okay? And he's late because he was serving over with children's ministry. So, But what if, just like Chris just walked in, what if Jesus just walked in? And, and, and what if he walked up to you and, and said something like, like this to you? He says, you know what? I want you to give more. I want you to give me uh, X amount of dollars every, every week or every month so that people will come to know me here in Sarasota and around the world. Now, now, would you say no to Jesus? I don't think so. I think all of us would say, OK, 
Okay, Lord. Yes. Yes. See, Jesus came and did that. If he were here, you know what? He is here. He's here in the Holy Spirit. And he's just saying that to us. All of us. He's saying, give. Because of all God has given you. Because of all God has given to you. And because people need a Savior. Aruna wanted to give his all for a place of worship and sacrifice to God. Verse 24, but the king, King David said to Aruna, no, no, I insist on paying the full price. I will not take for the Lord what's yours, and I will not sacrifice an offering that costs me nothing. So David paid Aruna 600 shekels of gold for the site. And David built an altar to the Lord there and sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. I will not offer to the Lord a sacrifice that costs me nothing. Wow. David sacrificed. But you know what? He wasn't the only one. In fact, I think there was a greater sacrifice in this story. You, some of you saw it. Verse 23, Aruna said, I will give my oxen. I'll give the property. But then he went on to say, I'll give the oxen for the burnt offering. I'll give the threshing sledges. That's the tools that I use. I'll give the wood, the firewood that I use. I'll give the wheat that I just harvested. I will give all. Aruna wanted to give everything. He was willing to give his all, everything he had to God. And most of us are saying, boy, that would really be dumb to do. Of course that's our response. Sell everything, give it all away? Then what do you do? Then where do you live? Then how do you take care of your family? Friend, giving our all to God doesn't mean that we have to sell everything, that we have to have absolutely nothing, that we have to give it all to charity, all to the church, all to God, okay? Jesus told thousands of people in his earthly ministry to give to God. How many people did he tell to sell everything and give it to God? Just one. Just one. A rich young ruler. And Jesus told him because it was very apparent that money was this man's God. And if we have any other God than the Lord God, we're in real trouble. Giving our all to God means this. It means we realize that everything that we have came from God. And, and realizing that he asks us to be obedient. And realizing that he asks for sacrifice too. And when we do that, when we take that step of faith, when we really trust him. Last week we talked about trust. We're talking about the hardest things to do in our Christian life. And the first one is trust. Trusting God. Doing what he tells us to do when we are absolutely sure it's not going to work. But we're trusting 
That's trusting God. Now, here's the second thing, the second hardest thing, (laughs) sacrifice. When we obey, when we really sacrifice to the one who sacrificed the ultimate for us, we do show God that we really do trust him. We trust him to take care of us. We trust him to bless and to keep his word, to give us even more for his kingdom, for his glory. Oh, that's so important. That's so important. And you know what, friend? I am so thankful today. God has blessed me so much. But you know what I'm really thankful for today? That you came back. I talked about giving last week. I didn't expect anyone to come today. But you're here. Because you really do want to know what God says. And you really want God in your life. And you really want him to bless him at work in your life. And here's one of those next steps that God asks us to take. So here's question number four. Who should give sacrificially to God? Just the rich who can afford it? That'd be our natural thought. No, the rich and the poor. You see, David was a very wealthy man. He needed to give a huge sacrifice to God. Because if he didn't, if he gave what cost him nothing, what kind of trust is that? But you see, Aruna, he was a poor farmer. He needed to trust God too. You know, I've heard a lot of people say, well, you know, I can't give to God because I have financial problems. Friend, if you have financial problems, you really need to give to God because you need his help. If you'll trust him, he'll work. He'll accomplish things that you can't accomplish in your own strength and by your own power. The rich and the poor. So how do we show that we truly love God by giving sacrificially while we are here on earth but then, friend, by receiving our eternal reward. Jesus calls those who follow him his bride. There's only one person in the world I would call my bride. Jesus calls you. That's how much he loves you. If, you've, if you're following him, if you've accepted him as your Savior, you're his bride. He loves you more than you can imagine. But what happens in a marriage when one partner gets what they don't want to give? That kills the love. True love is getting, but friend, it's giving. And we get a lot from God. You're breathing right now. Where did you get that air? Did humans construct an air-producing factory, you know, on planet Earth so you can breathe? No, God gave you that breath. God gave you everything. God gave us everything that we have. Are we grateful? If we are, we'll give. Genuine love for our Lord and for our King. It prompts us to sacrifice. Well, how much should you give? All? You should give it all. Now, now again, I'm not saying you ought to write a check to the church that cleans out your account. No. I believe that God wants you to keep a portion of that. You see, that's what giving tithes and offerings is all about. God says, bring a portion, okay? God's generous. He doesn't ask for all of it. 
He lets us use it to provide for needs and to enjoy things here on this earth. I'm not saying you, you, you write a check that cleans out your account. But what did Jesus say about giving? In Luke 6, 38, he said this, give. And you know what? You'll receive. The gift you give to God will return to you in full, but more. Pressed down, shaken together to make more room for it. Running over, poured into your lap. Because the amount that you give determines the amount that you give back. That's what Jesus said, okay? He's talking about trust. He's talking about loving him. And when we come to that point where we want God to have control of everything in our life, then, then our giving is going to be rewarded beyond what we could ever imagine. And, and friend, you know I am not a health, wealth, and prosperity preacher. I don't preach on money that much. I don't, I, it's not my favorite subject, all right? But giving a sacrifice to God, now it doesn't mean that God's going to then make you a millionaire, okay? But it does mean that God's going to take care of you and you'll be rewarded. I didn't say that, Jesus did. David refused to give an offering that cost him nothing. He was wealthy. So did Aruna. He gave his property. Now, it would be my guess <clears throat> that you may not know what happened to that property. I know that some of you have actually stood on that property when you took a trip to Israel. You know what happened to it? We find out in 2 Chronicles chapter 3. It's a few years later. But this is what happened. Solomon, David's son, began to build the temple of the Lord at Jerusalem in Mount Moriah, where the Lord appeared unto David his father in the place that David had prepared in the threshing floor of Aruna, the Jebusite. Aruna's humble threshing floor became the site where Solomon built the temple, where some of you have visited in the Holy Land today, and friend, where God's word tells us that one day Jesus Christ will return to earth and he will stand on that very property that Aruna gave and the whole world will acknowledge that he is Lord. When Aruna, the wheat farmer, sacrificed that property to God, he, there was no way he could imagine what God was going to do with it. And friend, when you give a sacrifice to God that costs you something, you can't imagine what God may do with it. Your sacrifice may bring hundreds of people to Jesus. And you'll meet him one day in heaven and rejoice for all of eternity because he did. And you see, friend, that's really important because, you know, we tend to, you know, really depend on our possessions and our house. Not, but, friend, one day you're going to lose your house. 
One day you're going to lose your 401k. One day you're going to leave it all behind. You will never lose what you give to Jesus. That's what he's saying. Jim Elliott, who gave his life to take the gospel to Ecuador, said he is no fool who gives to God what he cannot keep in order to gain what he cannot lose. Last week I asked you to reach in front of you and take uh, one of those cards that's in the pew rack there, the, the taller one that sticks up at this, uh, what we call our all-commitment card. And I asked you to take it, and if you're a guy, to put it in your pocket every morning, and if you're a lady, to put it someplace where you'd see it. Uh, I did. I, I put mine in my pocket, as you can tell, all right? And uh, Donna, actually, I, I noticed uh, on Monday morning that it was... Uh, on the bathroom counter where she puts on her makeup and does her hair and brushes her teeth and spends a half hour or more. Uh, n never mind, let's not go there. Okay. <laughs> she saw it every day, okay? And every day when I reach for my keys, Donna's not here, is she? Is she here? If you tell her, God's going to get you. All right. <laughs> Last week I asked you to take that commitment card and pray and just God I want to love you I want to trust you and you tell me what to give because Pastor Ron's not going to uh, God wh what do you want me to give so that we here at Alliance can bring more people to know Jesus what do you want me to give so we can repair uh, this, this place the roof the uh, sound system and the lighting system that are 28 years old and, and going, okay. God, what do you want me to give so that people can find the Lord? Uh, Don and I made a commitment uh, last year. We wanted to sacrifice. And I want to tell you, God has blessed us so. And now we're praying about increasingly. You can't outgive God. And God sees you trust Him, and God sees that you want to help people find Jesus. He works beautiful ways. And, friend, you know, I just want to say if you haven't been giving to God, you're missing out on just loving Him. You're missing out on loving Him. And God is always telling us in our Christian life that we're supposed to follow Jesus and to follow someone. You have to keep taking steps, right, to follow them. And, and that's what the Christian life is. It's, it's taking the next step where we, where we get closer to Jesus and where we trust him more and where we're more involved in things that really matter and, and all that. that. That's what the Christian life is. It's taking those steps of obedience. And if you've never given... You're not giving. If you're giving what costs you nothing, uh, maybe God's just prompting you today to really get close to him. Maybe you're like Aruna. You have a piece of property. You don't live on it, and you don't really need it, and your children don't really need it either. Would you pray about giving it to God so we can reach more people? Ask him, not me. Ask him, okay? Or maybe you have something else that, you know, it's valuable, but you don't really need it. 
just sitting there. Nobody's using it. No one's benefiting from it. Right, right. And next week, would you bring it back? Would you bring it back? And then you're just ready to take it a step closer, do whatever Jesus wants you to do, okay? Now, I have some bad news. Uh, not about giving to God. There is no bad news yet. Next week, you have to turn your clock ahead one hour. The bad news is you may lose an hour of sleep, and the bad news is you may forget, and you're going to show up an hour late, and then everybody's going to laugh at you. Okay. No, I just re- that's just a reminder. Come next week. We're going to have a great day. Next week, we're going to have a guest. Uh, we're going to have our architect come. Uh, we are so excited about the people God has brought for our project here. He's a Christian. I love talking to him. And he's going to just talk to us briefly uh, during the service about a building really is important in a a church carrying out its mission here in in this country. And uh, I think you're going to be excited about that. And then he's going to stay afterwards and and, uh, talk about the the plans of the project or whatever. And so uh, it's going to be a good week uh, in that way. We're called to be passionate lovers of God. Greatest thing you can do. It's the greatest commandment. If you love the Lord your God with all, with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, you are the greatest success in the world. Now, the world may not think you're a success, but the world doesn't matter what God thinks matters. It'll matter forever and ever and ever. Let's be honest. Trusting him is hard. Because he tells us to do some things that we don't think are going to work, things that we can't do. But when we step out in faith and do those things, when we trust God, then he works in an amazing way. Sacrifice. It's just contrary to our human nature. We want to get, we want to get, not give. Well, when we give, we become more and more like Jesus. God so loved the world that he gave. He gave to you. He gave to me. And our all journey here at Alliance is about us being more faithful to our God and more fruitful in helping more people find him and helping the hurting people in our community find a Savior and experience his love and his work and his life. And our goal is that we all get in the all, that we be all in, because every one of us have a part to play. God wouldn't have brought you here if there wasn't some some part that he wanted you to play in us carrying out this mission for his honor and for his glory. And I thank you. I, I praise God for the privilege of being pastor here. I talk to pastor friends and they're discouraged and they just don't think people want to grow and want to reach people and all those kinds of things. I praise God for the privilege of pastoring here. And I praise God for you. And I praise God for what he's going to do through all of us. Dear Father, thank you. We, if, if we spent 24 hours a day praising you, every second of every day praising you, it still wouldn't be enough. We wouldn't have enough time to praise you for all you've done for us. And that's why you're, you're preparing a place in heaven for us. 
so we can be with you forever. So we can rejoice. So we can worship. So we can praise you for everything you've ever done. So we can live in a place where there's no pain and sorrow and death and dying anymore. Because things will be right with Jesus Christ on the throne of King of Kings and Lord of Lords forever and ever. Oh, God, thank you. We could never thank you enough for that. And dear Father, you know us as a church here. And you want to help us. We want to be faithful to you. Lord, we want to be fruitful. We want to help people who are all around us who need Jesus. And God, enable us. And as we are on this all journey, Lord, I pray that it would be all of us. And we'd all do the, the things that you are calling us to do. What you're prompting us to do. Taking that next step. And it scares us, God. But when we take that step, we're going to grow. We're going to love. We're going to be blessed. All for your honor and glory. Thank you, dear Father. And, and friend, while your head's bowed, do you, are you following Jesus? Do you know him? Oh, he loves you so much. He, he would not have let those Roman soldiers drive nails through his hands and feet and thrust a spear in his side if he didn't love you and if he didn't want to forgive all your sins and if he didn't want you to follow him all the way to heaven. And that's why you're here this morning. Because Jesus is calling you. Follow him as your Savior and your Lord. Father, we thank you. We praise you. And now as we go, we don't leave your presence. You go with us. You go ahead of us to prepare the way, to provide for our needs, to use us to do things that really matter. And we thank you in Jesus' name. If you need prayer, uh, the ministry team up here be glad to pray with you. We have classes afterwards. Great. Have a good week. Turn your clock ahead. Do it today. You know, get up an hour early every day. And, and we will see you next week. Okay. Bye now.